We read again from 1 Thessalonians, this time chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. So beginning at 1 Thessalonians 3, 8. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. This is admonition to the church at Thessalonica to live a holy life. And that required some instruction. We understand, and it's it's covered later, that that sanctification is a, an instantaneous, uh, what we might call crisis experience, in that we reach a point where we desperately need it and pray until we receive it uh, from God. Later, we won't emphasize this uh, too much uh, today, but he intentionally spells holy in the manner that means entire, W H. O-double-L-Y, you heard that in the scripture reading, and when it comes to sanctification, entire sanctification or sanctified holy uh, means through and through, all in all, in every part, complete to the end. So if that's not entire or holy, I don't know uh, what would be. It's also instantaneous, that experience. Now the, the process of consecrating and dedicating oneself can take time, minutes, months, years, where we pray and ask God to give us assurance that we've been sanctified. The Lord reaches into our heart and asks, what about this? What about that? Are you willing to uh, commit to this or that? And sometimes we're uh, reluctant to abandon ourselves entirely, speaking of holy, uh, to the Lord. So it may take, that's certainly not an instantaneous process. But the Bible says we are sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So our part may be methodical and even slow. God's part is instantaneous. There's a moment in time where we know that It's all been abandoned to God. He's accepted that uh, sacrifice on our part and gives us the assurance that the work is done. We we want to remember that uh, sanctification eradicates our carnality, that Adamic nature, the sinful propensity, if you will, that we inherited at birth. It's not your fault. If you want to blame someone in a society that is anxious to blame someone other than yourself, this is your opportunity to be valid in it. We can blame Adam and Eve who fell and plunged the human race into that state of, uh, into that sinful condition called carnality. So he eradicates our carnality, but not our humanity. 
So you don't sprout a halo, grow angels' wings, and flutter off into heaven. No, he leaves you here to live a holy life. And that requires uh, maturing, growing. Sanctification makes us pure, but not mature to the level that he wants us to be as we go along. I was thinking about this uh, as I looked this morning and, and saw Brother Earl, Sister Sylvia. Um, De- Debbie lived with them before we were married for three and a half years in Dallas when I was attending uh, OSU in Corvallis, half hour drive away. So some of us were saved, my brother Dale included, and we would come up on Saturday evenings at times or Sunday afternoon, spend time at their house or down at the church singing songs. And it, it got to be silly. We weren't uh, the age we are now. But one of the songs I, I remember singing was, uh, You Can't Get to Heaven. And we, the Dallas Church had an old yellow school bus that was used to transport dozens of uh, children from their homes to Sunday school. So we would sit around and now in one of the verses I'm remembering is you can't get to heaven or you can't get to heaven in Earl's old bus. We, did, we left off Brother Earl, which wasn't respectful, but the verse wasn't long enough to include all those words, I guess. So you can't get to heaven, you can't get to heaven in Earl's old bus because, uh, and then we used slang. And I'll just say because the crazy thing won't make it that far or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But I remember singing the song, and uh, there were six or eight of us sitting around there, new converts, at least three of us. And um, they were laughing. They thought it was so funny. Uh, We thought it was so funny, these verses that we were creating. And it was much later that we learned that they were not laughing at our creativity. They were laughing at us for using slang that they didn't use. Well, that was, that's part of instruction. That's part of um, humanity. That's part of the need for um, maturity. After you have experienced purity of heart, you still need to experience purity, and that means instruction. And that is what you um, heard in the Scripture reading. And uh, actually, I'll refer to a few verses that were not read yet. 1.5, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, I want you to notice these. Uh, for our gospel, he said, came not to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you. So first, uh, Paul set the standard that they should strive for, uh, referring to himself. You saw uh, how we conducted ourselves when we were with you. Acts 17, he was with them three, at least three Sabbath days. So three weeks uh, roughly, just like a, a camp meeting. And during that time, he instructed them. He lived before them and uh, modeled what a holy life uh, ought to look like. And then 2.10, you are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. They knew that. He, he, he actually was being indicted by some naysayers and doubters uh, planting uh, seeds of uh, doubts about him there in the church at Thessalonica while he was uh, apparently in Corinth and pens this letter from Corinth to, to those in Thessalonica. But they, they couldn't dispute the fact that he had modeled what he had preached. 
It, it doesn't do any good to preach the, that you're sanctified if, if you don't live in the sanctified manner. So there, there's two parts to sanctification. One's the experience, the other is the life. And the experience means nothing if the life is not lived. If you don't live the life, you're not, you, you haven't experienced the experience. Uh, but uh, careful now because uh, humanity can appear to be uh, less than perfect because it is. We don't, we don't claim you're perfect even as perfect as Adam was before the fall. Because before the fall, uh, he was not as perfect as God is perfect. So not pre-fall God-like perfection. Adam didn't know everything, uh, couldn't be everywhere at the same place at the same time, uh, did not have all power. So when we talk Christian perfection, we're not talking God-like perfection. Uh, we're talking having a pure heart, uh, which includes holy conduct. So anyway, 2.10 I read, and um, 2.12 I'll make reference to that you would walk worthy of God, which is what we're trying to talk about this morning. The need existed to mature, to develop, to grow in grace, and the other writers of the epistles basically echoed the same words because it's it's a necessity when you get saved, the old sins and habits drop off, but we need instruction. I needed instruction as a new convert. And I thank God I'm still open to instruction these days. 3.10, you heard me read, night and day praying exceedingly that I might see your face. Why? Uh, per, that I might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Reports had come. Perhaps he had seen some things that they needed to understand that they could walk more perfectly. Of course, that's, that's growing. That's developing as a Christian. 3.12, and the Lord make you to increase and abound. He goes on, 13, that to the end he might establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. And that's, that's what we hope to accomplish by the word of the Lord this morning, is to encourage or inspire a, a more perfect walk in, in the sight of God. For one, again, furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. And he, he goes on, please God, so you would abound more and more. Why? There's never an end to this development process in the Christian walk. We're continuing to learn. And if, if you've reached a point where you think you've arrived, that's not a good mental state to be in because we haven't arrived from the time between our salvation and our glorification. We continue to learn and grow in, in the the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So holiness does mean, it means moral purity. Some things should not require instruction. Uh, but we see in 4.7, referring to the body as a, as a vessel leading up to that, God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Some behavior 
is grossly inconsistent, not only with a saved life, uh, certainly with a sanctified life. And we, we need to certainly be able to identify that. Some conduct in this uh, sensu- uh, well, sexually, if you wish, I wanted to say sensually oriented wor- world is, uh, I don't know, I, is it all right to say it's smut? Don't expose yourself to it. It's impossible not to be exposed to it, but it's, it is possible to turn away from it when you happen to see it. He's gra- more graphic than I want to be this morning in that, in that chapter. But our, our vessels are designed to be the temple of God. And we are not to corrupt them. We're not to, well, a temple. How do you feel when you go by a church and it's, uh, it, it's been, uh, I can't even think of what they call it when they mark up um, graffiti. Thank you. Or any building. You think, oh, why would someone do that? Or even the bridges. Why do they do that? Well, don't do that to your body. Your body is a temple of God designed to, uh, for the Holy Ghost to inhabit. So we don't mark it up. We don't pierce it through. We don't uh, defile it in any way. He says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. I don't think you have to be sanctified to understand that you should abstain from that when you're saved. You wouldn't uh, compromise yourself by being joined to uh, that kind of a behavior. So we well, holiness means moral purity. Holiness is, is soul health. You know what it is to have a healthy body. When we're healthy physically, we feel good physically, we can jump up and, and uh, run a mile or maybe a block. Whatever it is. But you know how you feel when you feel good? You know how you feel when you don't feel good. Well, the physical aspect is one element. We're more concerned about the spiritual aspect because you can feel poorly physically and yet have good soul health. Isn't it ironic? The body will deteriorate over time until we finally leave this world. But the, the soul and the spirit, that which is, exists within, will grow and, and be stronger with time. Uh, so I guess if you were to put it on a graph, uh, the line would go opposite ways. So the body is God's temple. It's not an instrument of self-gratification. Uh, we, we don't defile it. And that requires deliberate decisions uh, to separate ourselves from the elements of society that run counter to a life of holiness. It demands decisions. You'll have to step out from your peers, perhaps even your church peers at times, and say, you know, I'm I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to live that way. 
I, I see behavior modeled before me. That's what uh, Paul was trying to uh, say in this case in the infancy of the uh, New Testament church. Uh, he, he lived the life. And he, he wanted uh, them to understand when you get to be my age, you, you, you want to have lived this life in this manner. But you have behavior modeled all around you if you're younger or older. So make, make good decisions. And at some level, every one of us will reach a point where we will declare ourselves. It can't be done in a corner. It, it will have to be a, a respectful but conscious a declaration where, where you say, you know, I, 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 this grieves my spirit. I don't think so. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go a different way. Nowadays, I realize with all the casual and, and social relationships uh, that go on, the, uh, the risks are there. People like to, and their self-esteem, I guess, is... Uh, is satisfied by how many uh, followers they have on social media. You know, I, I have an Instagram account, by the way, but I don't have I don't have any friends. <laughs> I don't have one follower. I was telling my family the other day I, I had one request, one request. <laughs> Somebody wanted to follow me. Well, I've never posted anything, so there's nothing to follow, actually. But I want to see my, my wife and my children and my, my grandkids. But uh, if, if, you're, if your life and your self-esteem is rooted in that, it's misguided. And, and some aren't there because it grieves them uh, what they see. I'm happy not to have to operate like the KGB and find out what they see. But what, what people see ought to reflect a life of holiness. Why would you put yourself out there in a manner that uh, replicates the world and some of the baser elements of the world? Why, why would you do that? Why would you not rather separate yourself and inspire others to follow you to heaven? So holiness means moral purity. Holiness means a life of, of integrity and a life of, of uh, industry. 4.11, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, study to be quiet is how it starts. So we don't engage in or even believe hearsay. Study to be quiet. Study to mind your, your own business. Don't involve yourself in matters that don't pertain to you. For, for one thing, it's inaccurate. And for another thing, it's none of your business to put it as delicately as I can say that. So we don't, we don't engage with that. A favorite verse 
It's Proverbs 26, 17. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like unto one that taketh a dog by the ears. If you wonder how that works as far as engaging yourself in matters that don't pertain to you, just find a dog, any old dog, take it by the ears and let me know how that works out for you. Just, just don't go there. Study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. Have a, a work ethic. People who go through life lazy are certainly not fulfilled. I'm glad I, that, that I grew up on the farm and worked dawn to dusk for many years during high school and, and beyond. It was good for me. I remember out in the winter when it was colder or colder than this morning, uh, pulling turnips and rutabagas and uh, clipping off the, the stems with, uh, with a knife and putting them in a... My hands were so cold I could not feel them. I didn't like that. But it didn't kill me. It just made my hands cold, that's all. Have a, a diligent work ethic. Let it begin in school. That way you won't have to do the term thing that I did years ago. But if, you're, if you have to do that, it's, that's all right. Two people need turnips are good for you. So we want to help the turnip industry. But holiness means a life of integrity, a life of industry. Uh, holiness means a life of concern for others. 5.14, we see, uh, warn them that are unruly. If you see someone going wayward, don't facilitate their bad behavior by extending sympathy when they've done, they're doing wrong. You know, we, we're, we want to be understanding and sympathetic, but we can actually facilitate their bad behavior when, when we ought to warn them. Say, hey, you're headed the wrong way, bro. You better turn back. Meantime, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Render to no man evil for evil. Ever follow that which is good. So we... We want to show forbearance to all, uh, to be sure, and to not hold others to a standard of perfection that we don't meet ourselves. It's a lot easier to see the flaws in others than in ourselves. But when we point out to some random third party the flaws of others, what we're really showing that third party unwittingly is our flaw. Five sixteen holiness means sixteen seventeen eighteen the life of, of of joy, one of prayer, one of gratitude. You know, holiness doesn't feel entitled. Holiness feels indebted. It's not I am owed. It is I owe. I owe big time. Paul and Silas didn't just talk about praying and singing at midnight in that jailhouse. They prayed, and they sang praises to God. They couldn't help it. It was that 
a spirit of holiness that was within them. Whatever's inside will come out. If it's venom inside, that's what will be manifested. If it's a, a, a holy uh, walk with God, that's what will come out. And you know when either comes out? Under duress, under stress. That's when we reveal what we're made of. We reveal to ourselves, well, we may reveal it to others as well. So we thank God that we can pursue and learn and demonstrate that holiness means a life of joy, it means a life of prayer, it means a life of, of gratitude to God and to others. Holiness means a life of discernment, 519 through 22. Quench not the spirit. Grieve not the one who checks you. He is very sensitive. We want to be sensitive to him when we feel checked or corrected. May we respond to that. Despise not prophesying. Love the word of God. Love it enough to partake of it. Read it. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. That is to test or examine all things and reject what fails to edify. Embrace what does edify and encourage. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Yeah, be, be, be discerning. Even if it's not evil in itself, it, if it can be construed to be evil, just let it, pass it by. Don't be careless. Careless can, carelessness can degenerate into recklessness. And a holy person is careful, not careless. 523, I made reference to early uh, on. This speaks to the, the experience. May the very God of peace sanctify you entirely, we'll say. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. May God do that. If you've not experienced that or have not received the assurance that you've been sanctified, God will sanctify you today. Faithful is he who called you who will also do it. I like 525 where... Paul briefly says, if you haven't got anything else to pray for, brethren, pray for us. And holiness means a life, 527, who wants to be counted among the holy brethren. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Well, this epistle, not all of it, but some of it at least, a summary of it, has been read to you. So you are now in league with those who attended church at Thessalonica, trying to uh, be inspired. Paul was trying to inspire them to live this holy life more perfectly. And God uh, will inspire us also to drop to our knees and to search out our hearts to see if there be something within that needs 
adjustment or correction. We want to be open to that, not only open to it, we want to respond to it. We'll have a time of prayer. May we look uh, heaven's way together, and may God answer our prayers according to his holy will.